Welcome to the MOD Report. This is the show where we talk all things HR and the crazy things we go through in the hospitality industry. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Giffen. We are streaming this episode live via Facebook and YouTube. And after the live stream, you can access this episode anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, and many more. Today, we are meeting with Tony Caruso, founder and president of Jack Caruso Enterprises, a hotel sales strategy firm, along with Amanda Nicholas, vice president of business operations, to discuss how hotel companies can generate hotel revenue while maintaining employee culture in a post-COVID-19 world. All right. Well, I definitely want to say, first of all, thank you. Thank you to Tony and Amanda, who's coming to us live and taking time out of their busy schedules to discuss mostly employee culture fit and hotel revenue generation. But also we're going to discuss uh, things like entrepreneurship, um, how Tony started the company and unique uh, the unique company business model. So I want to welcome you both to the show. How are you doing this morning? Thank you. Well, thanks. Awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I want to I want to kick off to Tony first, uh, who's going to introduce herself uh, and Amanda, and to help set the stage a little bit. Um, Tony's going to briefly explain what Jackaruso Enterprises does, how many employees they have, where do they all work right now. Um, and basically tell us how the company came into uh, fruition. So, uh, Tony, have at it. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you having us. We're, we are um, such a this is such a good format for us because of all the things we do. Culture is probably the most passion that both Amanda and I have. So uh, Jack Russo Enterprises started in 2007. All of my experience and my professional life has been in the hospitality and hotel industry. And having held positions from front desk clerk to general manager to vice president of sales for large management and asset companies to working for parent enterprise companies and then starting my own company. And I started my company to be like most entrepreneurs because I was working for people that were not a good culture fit for me and discovered quickly that I wanted to work with people I loved. And so that brings us to um, our, your other guest, Amanda Nicholas, because I've known Amanda for many years and um, she's one of my favorite people in the world. And the two of us are uh, a dynamic duo. And what our company primarily does is help small to medium sized hotels generate hotel revenue through providing a remote hotel sales solution. So all of our salespeople, we have about 80 salespeople right now. This is you know, in the middle of pandemic, <laughs> pre-pandemic, we had 150. So um, we have 80 now and they are the most magnificent people you'll ever meet in the world and the best hotel salespeople in the world. And what we do is we provide 
all the things that a on-site hotel salesperson would provide, but we do it from home. So we book group business. We look for um, look for all new business for hotels by calling on the corporations and businesses surrounding the hotel. We look at the hotel's competitive set, and we drive business to our hotels. Amanda is um, on my team. She is the vice president of business operations, and she handles all things from uh, primarily being my thought thought leader and thought partner in a lot of the initiatives that we do in our company, as well as she oversees all of our training, all of our special projects, our new e-learning software and, and system, which we are so proud of and excited to introduce you to today, as well as all things human resources and um, just general all in all uh, knowledgeable and um, a super great partner for me to have in this company. Awesome. I, I'm curious, uh, Tony and Amanda, you can both uh, chime in here, but how did you all meet? How did you both? Uh, <laughs> Amanda's laughing. Uh, so I let's hear it. How did you all meet? It sounds like a good story. All right, Amanda, you take this one. <laughs> Uh, the formal answer, uh, Dr. Ryan, would be that she and I were peers at Hilton Hotels Corporation just a few years ago, right, Tony? Just a few. Couple. Yes. The, the, right. The, to, to the nearest exponent. It wasn't when they were called Promise or anything. <laughs> this is <laughs> it's not that far back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So we've known each other and uh, have been friends for a long time. Tony, let's let's ask this question, and then the, the follow up will be uh, with Amanda. But uh, what challenges, uh, as a woman entrepreneur, did you have to overcome the hospitality industry? And I and I would love to hear Amanda's perspective on this too. And I don't mean just starting your own company necessarily, but what about your entire hospitality experience? Because research has shown and the obvious has shown that um, unfortunately, even today, although the hospitality is in the hospitality industry is dominated mostly by women at the executive level, at the corporate level, it is dominated by mostly men, which is a very interesting, uh, not just a dichotomy, but they're, they're, it, it, it's not equal per se. So I'm curious to hear both of you from both of you, what your challenges have been um, as women in the industry. And then also as an entrepreneur, Tony, um, if you both want to just kind of tackle that question. Yeah. And thank you for asking that. I think it's such an important question. And I think that um, as a female entrepreneur, I have been very fortunate and lucky with the people that I have chosen to surround myself with and the relationships that I have built throughout the years. I would say that my peers for a very long time and the people that were directly above me in pretty much every company that I have worked with have I've never felt like they didn't treat me equal um, when I started my own company. So as an entrepreneur, um, that changed. So they um, I think they just missed me in the beginning thinking that um, and I'm not sure it was so much for me being a woman as it was from knowing the people I was now trying to do business with as a peer to a CEO. They still thought of me as a general manager or as a vice president of sales. So it took me a while to prove myself. But I think the um, uh, the 
ability that I have had to have access to both men and women in strategic and executive level positions in the corporations we do business with has been, um, it's, it's gone well. I have good relationships at all of our key customers, which are some of the largest hotel companies in the world. And um, I don't feel like, like now that we are really good at what we do, our results speak for our ourselves. We are, you know, when you look at what we've been able to accomplish and the time frame that we've accomplished, if you look at the success we've had just recently during COVID, um, you know, the majority, our, I think our industry was at 20% occupancy. I think a huge percentage of hotels were closed and our company was still able to find $4 million in new business. I mean, we are very, very, very good in our swim lane. And so um, I find also that, that that brings respect of my peers. So so thank you for asking. Amanda, I'm eager to hear what you think about that. Uh, thanks, Tony. I would uh, also echo the fact that throughout my career, I have had and had the pleasure and been blessed to uh, really work with uh, some really dynamic people within the industry that took me alongside and were really feeding me opportunities. Um, but as with any position, and again, I, I, I speak as a woman, woman, but I, I'm not sure whether or not this applies to um, others as well in terms of the fact that you, you only have a few minutes until, as Tony said, your results have to speak for themselves. Uh, you have to be knowledgeable in the area in which people are uh, inquiring about and inquisitive, uh, and, and you have to be that subject matter expert. So for me, it was a lot of attention uh, to specifically revenues, uh, whether it was sales, marketing, e-commerce, or revenue management, and really trying to be an expert in those areas um, so that I could gain the respect of those um, that were with us. Fantastic. So Amanda, since I have you, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the team a little bit, um, uh, is in terms of your your workforce how do you go about hiring people on your team in other words what do you look for um in a candidate and, and how do you know they're a right fit for uh jack caruso enterprises like i call I'm this so culture i'm so glad that you asked this question because i've uh recruited and that's been part of my responsibility in prior positions but i've never had so much fun with it as i have since joining jack caruso uh, the culture that exists within our organization is as if Tony's spirit is all over um, our company. Uh, and that makes it really, really fun to look for talent. I mean, we've got the uh, traditional uh, resume items in terms of the experience that we're looking for, uh, the brands that we are looking for people to have experience with, those things that are found on a resume that I would assume most of your listeners kind of have their checklist that they go off of. But one of the first challenges when Tony uh, brought me into the organization was we were in a very unique situation uh, several years ago where we had more demand for our service than we had people uh, in the regional sales role that we are recruiting for um, in that, uh, that pre-pandemic world. And so as we were going through and really trying to find a culture fit, Tony used the term with me at one point. She said, Amanda, 
I don't want to hire anybody that I don't want to go on vacation with. And so I started laughing and at the, at the root of that and what we created at that point was we had a mission statement for the organization, but we took that down into real core values for what we were looking for so that those individuals could propel us forward to uh, realize that mission. So every person involved in our interview process really has components of those values that they are asking questions about and looking for uh, for all of our candidates um, to see whether or not they are going to be a good fit for our organization. And I, I think I'm happy to say that uh, we do uh, a couple of trips every year uh, to get together uh, as an organization, which back to culture, that's so important and bring our team together so that we can spend some face time together. And I think that uh, Tony believes that she's she's pretty happy with the team that we've put together and we really enjoy going on vacation together. Tony, do you wanna add anything to that? Thank you, Amanda. I think you hit it on the head. It's funny because one of the things that I know is from being in a position where I managed hotel salespeople for many years. And when I in my position just prior to starting this and founding this company, we had uh, I worked for a company that had about 70 hotels and there was you know probably 100 or so salespeople, about what I have now. And there was a lot of turnover, a tremendous amount of turnover. And I thought, why are people leaving? What is it that we are not providing that makes them feel like they have to go somewhere else. I don't think people leave because of money. I think that if you are paying a fair salary and they are, you know, feeling good about what they're doing and providing value and it's that they will stay and be loyal to you. And I feel like our, our organization very much in, figured out how to do that. And we start with a personality profile in addition to the traditional experience. You have to have experience in the job that we do. You have to be good at what you do from a hotel sales standpoint. But we want to know if you carry the characteristics that we know have proven to be successful. And just some examples of those. We want you to be driven. We want you to be extroverted. I can't tell you how many people I have met in the hospitality industry that are not friendly, likable, gregarious, they're introverted. Like, yeah. why hire that person? How many times have you walked into a hotel? How are they How are they still there? <laughs> because they keep showing up, yeah. right? And as a general manager, the hardest thing I had to do was find employees, and that hasn't changed as to, you know, owning my own multi-million dollar company. The talent that we, you know, the most important part of our company is the people in it. It's more important to me than anything else. Yeah, I love that. And you are you are really making my heart warm. I know that's cheesy, but any of our listeners who know me on this show, uh, or my students or anybody, you know, human resources is 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 big for me, but HR is not just paper shoving compliance. It's it's and it's not just about culture fit necessarily, but it's what um folks like yourself, the leaders out there in the industry. Are, are showing up every day. They're encouraging people. They're motivating them. They live and breathe the core values and they don't veer from them. And they are very careful in the selection process, finding the right people at the right time for the right job. And I think that is, that is important. And unfortunately, there's a lot of leaders who just don't do that and suffer the consequences of a poor PL at the end of the month through those hidden dollars that they, they clearly don't see in turnover costs. So um, it's one of the reasons why I love hearing your story and 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 what you are all doing.
So that's great. Um, I, I want to transition and talk a little more about your business model, um, Tony. We'll, we'll start with you um, because particularly today, I mean, there's a lot happening in the world, right? Uh, never mind the, the Black Lives Movement and um, Black Lives Matter Movement and, and COVID-19 and, and the lowest occupancy and ref par ADRs that we're seeing. But I, I really want to understand what your company is doing in lieu of everything that's going on um, and, and what that might look like in a post-COVID-19 world. So particularly for your company, from a sales perspective, what is the industry, what are hotels going to be able to do is in terms to maintain what they have now in, in sales and increase those sales with all these crazy changes that I don't even know if I can keep up with, to be honest with you. So what, What's going on there? What are you hearing with your conversations with, with industry leaders and whatnot? Yeah, well, I'll tell you where I'm hearing it from is our employees because they're the ones out there talking to the travelers. They're the ones finding the business during this time where business isn't able to be found from what most people are saying. Our business is right now at this perfect time getting ready to explode in a way that we are have never been able to anticipate before. We are uniquely positioned to be able to help hotels in a way they've never, ever been able to be helped by us before. And I'll tell you why. Our industry typically has a full-time person that actually sits in the back office. They make phone calls. They take incoming inquiries. They answer leads through electronic channels. They look for new business while they're out. They knock on doors. They take people to lunch. There's all kinds of things. They try to develop their relationship. That's how they're growing revenue. That's how they're adding room nights into their hotel. Well, guess what? COVID made outside sales calls not happening. People are, you can't go knock on somebody's door because they're all at home now. <laughs> if they are at work, they don't want to see you. They're not going to go to lunch with you right now. Our, the cost of our associates is a third of what a hotel full-time salesperson is going to be or is. And so we are able to literally plug and play, start today. And there's no risk with our company. If you don't like what you're getting, if we're not exceeding your expectations, then we will pivot and help you get to where you need to go to find a better solution for your specific hotel. But one of the things we said is, what are we going to do in the interim? Because we were all of a sudden making, we, we, were, we knew we needed to pivot before every single salesperson had about eight to 10 hotels and they would make phone calls and sales calls for them. They would respond to leads for them, but they are focused on those hotels and their portfolio like they are their director of sales. All of a sudden pandemic hits, all of our business that we've ever known before, group business, gone, corporate transient, gone. Like that was all the, like we had no idea what to do. So we said, how do we take this amazing group of people that we have been able to attract to our company and utilize their strengths together to collaborate in a very unique way to find leads and to find business for all of our hotels. We said it's no longer about ABC Hotel in this city. It's now about the 800 hotels that Jack Russo represents. So we started making sales calls on behalf of every hotel 
clientele in our company. And then we got a centralized desk where that a couple people were able to take leads and distribute those to all of our hotels if possible, or at least to the ones where the business traveler was going to, or the, the government traveler, the medical traveler. We identified quickly that there were 19 essential businesses and different layers of travel within those segments. As a result of that work and collaboration, again, we found $4 million of new business since the pandemic started. Our hotels are seeing the results. And then what we said is, okay, we need to, we are, we want to help. Our industry is dying and we've got people that can't pay their mortgages and are closing their hotels and we know how to find business. How do we help them? And so Amanda and I sat down and said, we want to create a, a course, a curriculum that not only has the step-by-step um, palatable, bite-sized pieces. Nobody's got time to sit down and look at an hour's worth of learning, but we can do 10 or 15 minute lessons and then give them resources to back that up, to give to their guests, to be able to make an impact at their hotel and start seeing some recovery of the revenue that they lost. And that's where we developed what's called Accelerate. It's a uh, it's an e-learning platform and it's in a magnificent group of uh collective group of information where we took everything you need to learn from a sales standpoint, how to repair your hotel from and find new business and to go from here. How do you do business in, in the middle of a pandemic? And, you know, from what I hear, we're not even through the first wave. I hope that's not right. true. You know, we've, we've, we've had some success there. Yeah. And you just launched this, uh, the, this training recently, right? We launched last week. It is live. It's we've got um, several people on the platform. We are having ridiculously uh, positive response. And yeah. and Amanda really was the the lead on this project. She and her team um, were really really did an outstanding job putting this together. And and we couldn't be more happy with the results. And we know that it's valuable. We know it will help hotels. We know it will help owners. Uh, it's just a really powerful resource. That's great. Where, where, I guess if I, if I'm a general manager listening today, where can I learn more about this or where can I go and, and perhaps participate in this, uh, in this learning or get more information? Thank you for asking. Everything's on our website. It's just jackarusso.com, jackarusso.com. You can find it right there. There's a, a whole page on navigating your COVID recovery. Great. Great. And they can get in touch with you. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Um, I, I want to switch over to Amanda and ask Amanda a uh, human resources question. Uh, so, yeah. So from a, from a human resources perspective, what do you believe HR professionals in the industry can do to help maintain a strong culture and retention in this new environment? One of the things that, um, again, having such a strong culture within our organization pre-COVID, um, we were in a very fortunate situation where we, uh, Tony and the executive team has always been very transparent with our team. So when COVID happened, the transparency that she and others within our organization had to our group even when, to, even to be honest enough to say, I don't know the answer, but here are the questions that we have and that we're trying to work through, that le level of transparency accelerated so much trust within our team uh, that I would highly recommend that. 
uh, one of the things about our organization um, pre-COVID was that the traditional silos for team members with professional and personal life really don't exist uh, or didn't exist for us uh, as an organization pre-COVID. But the one thing that I've learned throughout this pandemic and this experience is that it is impacting everyone, albeit in different ways. So as an HR professional, the best thing that we can do is help our organizations realize that those barriers that team members feel that they have to have between their personal and professional lives, that's just not the reality anymore. And so as leaders, uh, as HR professionals ourselves, we need to work within our executive teams and our executive groups to make sure that people are very uh, much on the same page, that that is the sentiment that we really have to take care of our team now in a very different way. And if you think that sitting at a dining room table trying to do distance learning with four children and maintain a full-time job isn't impacting their professional life, we have to talk about that. Uh, in our organization, Tony mentioned it before, we are full of extroverts. So having uh, an extrovert that is uh, quarantined at home by himself or herself, we have to recognize the impact that that has to them as professionals. And we have to do all that we can as leaders to help our team through that. So that would be my, my primary recommendation is that you just can't live or operate or promote this environment anymore that the personal life isn't seeping all over the professional life and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. love it. And, and I, I think it's so important, um, like you're mentioning and, and Tony's alluding to, it's, it's really we have to take care of people. We have to take care of our employees today. It's, it's none of this, oh, we'll worry about it tomorrow. Or we'll take care of them when the budget allows for it. In fact, we, you don't need money uh, as I'm hearing. We don't need money to be a nice person or to treat people with dignity and respect and motivate them and, and to be able to retain them in that sense. So, um, so I, I love hearing that, you know, that's, that's, that's so big. It's, it's taking care of our people today and doing what we can to ensure that they are, that they're well, you know, like you're in your, your extroverts in your company, right? Well, and at the end of the day too, Tony's probably the best example for all of us on this. We're salespeople. We're supposed to be really good listeners. And she encourages that our team is our most important internal customer. We've got to listen to our team. What are they trying to communicate and tell us? Yeah, precisely. Great. Um, Tony, let's uh, ask you this question. Uh, if you had to do this all over again, what would you do differently? Or what would you change? Oh my God. Uh, I would start with- Oh, wait for the next question. <laughs> I would ask for help. I would ask for help sooner. Oh, I interesting. I, would, I struggled with so many things in the beginning that I didn't need to struggle with. And there are so okay. many resources out there. Through my formal education, I learned how to do research and somehow I seemed to forget that when I went into business for myself. I, I, I just, I didn't know what to do 
all the time. I still find myself not knowing what to do all the time. Nobody taught me how to lead an organization during a pandemic. And so now, though, I have the confidence of of having some people I really trust, not only in my team and in my company and my business partners, um, but also in uh, outside of my organization through other professional organizations, through mentorship. Um, but somebody always has an answer or an opinion to help me get to the next place. Yeah. So yeah you know, I, I love that answer is in terms of asking for help. Um, you know, it's, I, I think of Brene Brown when I hear that about being vulnerable and it's okay to, to admit that you don't know the answer or that uh, that you do need help. Uh, I think a lot of us can can benefit from that um, from that and ask others, you know, for help or guidance. And if you don't know something, it doesn't mean you're an idiot or that you're stupid. It just means you're human. You need help. There's nothing wrong with that. Our knowledge can only go so far. That's right. Being vulnerable, to, I, um, I, I bow in the general direction of Houston where Renee lives, but I... Yeah. Um, I, being vulnerable to ask for help is one of the most courageous things I've ever had to do. And the more that I have done it and the more it was received with uh, grace from the people that I was reaching out to, the more brave I continue to be to be able to do that. It gets it's a it's a muscle. You're able, you know, I can do it faster, you know. Yep. Lean into the discomfort. Exactly right. I, I could talk to Mae Brown all day. I could talk her all day. Okay. Um <laughs> So I have one final question, Tony, and I'm actually going to ask Amanda the same question. So I hope she's paying very careful attention. Uh, <laughs> here is the question. I ask all my guests this, and that is if you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to your 20-year-old self, what would it be? <laughs> it's probably the same advice I'd give myself right now, which is what feels like a really big deal and keeps you up at night is okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to be taken care of. It's going to be okay. You don't need to be so uh, intensely wrapped around the axle that you can't enjoy the beautiful part of the things that you love to do, which is why you started your own company in the first place. You can take the time to breathe and call somebody that you, that you care about or love deeply that works in your company. You can take the time to have a cup of coffee with somebody that you care about. It's um, focusing on what really matters, which is the, the people that I love that work with me. So, Love it. Love it. All right, Amanda. Very well said, Tony. Uh, I wish that in my 20s, I had had someone like Tony talk to me about the power of vulnerability mm. and what that means in an organization, but particularly just dialing it back to what it means for your relationships. Um, you don't have to be right all the time. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, the reality is none of us are. So stop pretending yeah. to be. Um, so I wish, I wish somebody had taught me that lesson earlier. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, if there's anything else you'd like to add or ask me a question, no, don't ask me a question. Um, <laughs> that's all I have. Um, again, uh, your, your website is, is, is fantastic. There's a lot of great information there, um, for our listeners that want to go there. Um, and, and, and check it out and get a hold of you. But if there's anything else you'd like to add, let's go for it. Otherwise, I, I, I definitely just want to thank you for uh, taking uh, time out of your day today. 
I think I, I just I can speak for Amanda too when we say our industry has been hammered and it is it is the painful decisions and the difficult decisions we've all had to make during this time. Um, it's been excruciating for me and for many of the people that I care deeply about in this industry. And what I'll tell you is that we are resilient and we are here to help. We have figured out a very strategic, specific formula that has made us have some success during this time. And we want to yeah. share that with you. We want to help you. Please reach out to us. We're, we're here to be of service right now because we know that um, that will help us down the road from a financial standpoint, that's not our biggest concern. Right now, we want to serve our community and our industry in any way that we can help. Fantastic. Great. Well, thank you again. Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Um, I enjoyed our conversation today. One day, we'll be able to do it in person over a glass of wine and uh, keep the conversation going. Uh, but thank you for tuning in um, and, and sharing your expertise and knowledge with us. Greatly appreciate it. Welcome. Thanks thank for you. having us. Definitely. Hey, thanks for tuning in. If you want to keep the conversation going, come on over to my website, inospire.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or my YouTube channel. I mean, why not? It's basically free access to a professor and consultant. The MOD report is sponsored by Inospire, where cultures are built through innovation and inspiration. I'm Dr. Giffen, and we'll see you next time.